This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello and welcome to the AgriFutures On Air podcast. My name is Steve Honor, and you may have heard me hosting our sister podcast, Avoke Ag. This week, we are hearing about Australia's growing appetite for Australian native foods. Did you know the kakadu plum has the highest vitamin C content of any food on earth? Yet only 10% of kakadu plum is currently being harvested. Meet Hayley Blyden, the founder of the Australian Superfood Company, who is helping cultivate a growing appetite for Australian native foods with the launch of the Native Harvest Initiative designed to support Indigenous communities, local growers and scale native produce supply. In this podcast, we learn about the incredible value of Australia's native bush foods and Haley's grand plans to foster sustainable growth. She is speaking here to journalist and guest podcaster Judy Kennedy. Haley, take me back to when your products were featured on MasterChef. How did that come about and what difference do you think it made to your business? MasterChef was a really exciting time. So it was MasterChef 2020. Now our business launched, I'm taking on a bit of a journey right now. Our business launched in 2015. And when we launched, most people had never heard of native Australian ingredients. When you spoke to people about what Australian cuisine was, they'd talk to you about lamingtons and Vegemite, which, you know, I'm, I love both lamingtons and Vegemite, but they're not our native cuisine. Um, and so, and, and MasterChef 2015, and it's really good to track progress when you think of MasterChef 2015 to MasterChef 2020, hardly had native produce on it at all. They might've had, you know, a guest judge come on like a Ben Shuri or a Jocelyn Fillo who would put lemon myrtle in the mystery boxes and the chefs would try and figure out what to do with these ingredients that they'd, that they'd never seen before. And MasterChef 2020 really shows how far the native industry has come. It shows the progress that ingredients that people had never heard of, and often when you said words about fruits like kwandong, people would laugh at thinking it was a dirty word, and now staples in the MasterChef kitchen. And I think that that's the progress of the native food industry, that Australians are accepting Australian produce. Australians love the story, the cultural relevance of Australian native produce, um, the flavours of the ingredients and the health benefits of the ingredients. So there's so much to celebrate and they're really embracing it. Did it give your business a huge boost? And there's always this um, critical mass, isn't there? You get a huge boost by all the, the people seeing MasterChef and thinking, wow, I'd like to try that. But then you've got to be able to supply that market. And, and in a time when we've had the breaks firmly applied through COVID-19. Definitely. And I think that what we're, how we're fortunate is we, our core market is actually food and beverage manufacturers. So bulk quantities of native produce. So we source the produce from indigenous communities and local growers and then process it into a shelf stable product. So we're able to hold large infantry stores, for instances like this, where, you know, MasterChef gave us a huge, there was a huge boom, the finale of MasterChef, so our website crashed, but we were able to maintain that due to the processing methods of the produce that we are able to hold large inventory holds four times like this. Tell me about the main benefits that you see in the production of native foods, the commercial production, I think you'd, you'd say. 
We see a number of benefits in incorporating native foods into food and beverage products that are now, you know, readily available, like um, kombuchas and chocolates. Firstly, there's, and this is my passion because I'm a dietitian, there's nutritional benefits of native produce. So um, the fact that people are, you know, tuning into Kakadu Plum, having the highest vitamin C content of any food on earth and celebrating Australian, Australia's produce for its health benefits. Um, for celebrating products like Davidson Plum for its beautiful, unusual flavour and the beautiful colour that can be incorporated into home cooking. Um, so there are so many angles, the cultural angle, obviously, you know, these foods sustained Indigenous Australians for over 70,000 years in some of the harshest climates. Um, there's social and, and the, the social benefits that then go on um, when you're working with Indigenous communities who are wild harvesting this, these produce. So really, no matter what your, why you choose to consume the foods that you do choose to consume, incorporating Australian natives will touch on so many of those touch points. How has your packaged line been received? Because you package a, a number of um, freeze-dried native foods and also your bars, your protein bars as well. Yeah, so our business actually started incorporating natives into, into raw bars. So food, we, the, the reason we did this was that we thought that it would be a great, a great avenue to start the conversation of native produce. You know, people, snack bars were the big thing in 2015. You walked into the health food store or you walked into a supermarket and there were massive spaces dedicated to snack bars. That has changed a bit. You don't see quite as many of these products on the supermarket shelves. Um, but we thought it was a great conversation starter. It was an area that we really struggled in. And now today we don't sell snack bars anymore. So when we did our research on the snack bars and why we introduced the snack bars was people were interested in the story behind the snack bars. Mm. And then we launched the snack bars expecting huge sales. And what we realized was people were interested in the story. They weren't interested in the snack bars. And that's why we pivoted the business to become an ingredient supplier. We recognized that people want to include Australian native ingredients but we're not necessarily the best people to do it. We need to work with food industry to really leverage the, the size of this industry to get the story out there. And as a small startup, we didn't have that power. So now we work with really large multinational organisations that when they launch a native, a, a native range, they put the marketing dollars behind it to tell the story. And that's a, that helps us to achieve our goals of increasing awareness and accessibility of, an, of Australian native produce. Has that been a difficult journey for you coming from a small startup and trying to um, make those partnerships with the multinationals? I guess it's been helped along by the great publicity around Australian local foods. Absolutely. And I think that, it, look, it's been a really steep learning curve and there's been many sleepless nights, you know, when you're sitting on 100,000 bars and the, time, the shelf life time time is ticking um, it's very stressful and a, and, a, and a huge portion of those bars ended up going to charity before they expired because someone should benefit from these delicious bars if it's not going to be you know um, the supermarkets and the health food stores um, but it, it's we it's actually been really lovely working with these large organizations now if you think of a large organization they might hire thousands of people but you're dealing with one or two or three or four people so you form these really strong relationships. They understand your position in the market. So they understand why they're engaging you, that they want Australian native ingredients in their products. And they understand that you're a small startup. So they'll guide you and they'll show you what you need to learn. And we've learned a lot. You know, now 
five years later, we're HACCP certified, we're kosher and halal certified. Um, so we're able to supply multinational organisations with the ingredients that they need and have the certification and the quality control to make sure that they can incorporate these ingredients. Take me back into the engine room. Where are your ingredients, the bulk of your ingredients coming from and how do you form those partnerships? I know you're strongly committed to the Indigenous communities where most of these things are grown. So how have you formed those partnerships and how have they evolved in the same way as your business has, has evolved? Well, when we started, we, I had this idea that every ingredient we sourced would be through an Indigenous person, be it a community or a farmer. And I very quickly realised that there are some fruits that are strongly linked with communities like wattle seed, um, kakadu plum, but there are others that have very weak links now that people hardly um, farm or wild harvest these ingredients and they're being farmed by uh, you know, um, European people that Europeans that settled many, many years ago and they created farms back in the day and now their great grandchildren are farming Australian native produce and don't actually know why they're farming that produce. Mm -hmm. So you try and you know, delve a little bit deeper into the story and they'll just be like, oh, well, you know, my great, great grandfather was um, farming Kwandong, so I'm farming Kwandong now. And it's been a successful journey for them and they're very passionate about the farming of Kwandong, but the historical link they're not so aware of. Um, when we started, we started with a few really strong connections to indigenous communities. So we were obviously small and our demand was quite small. So we selected a couple of communities that we would work with and we formed very strong relationships with those communities. Um, as we grew, we still are committed to those initial communities that we were working with, but now we work with about 20 indigenous communities around the country. And when you think of Australia, because people often think of Australian produce coming out of only the Northern Territory or WA, um, where we have more Indigenous people living. But native produce sustained Indigenous people all over Australia. Mm. So we have different forms of native produce coming from different areas, from every, um, from every state and territory within Australia. Um, and that might be either from an Indigenous community, which is wild harvesting the crops, could be an Indigenous community who wild harvest and cultivate the crops, an Indigenous farmer who is harvesting native produce, or a non-Indigenous farmer that is harvesting native produce. What's the freeze-dried technology that you've been able to use to market your product? So we outsource all of our manufacturing. We work very closely with a freeze-drying um, contract manufacturer who takes our, it, often it's frozen fruit, so it'll, they'll snap freeze it um, once it's picked and then put it into his freeze-drying machines for about five days. And freeze drying is a fantastic technique. And the reason that we opted for freeze drying as our first range of products was because it maintains nutritional value. So water soluble vitamins are very heat, um, heat sensitive. So vitamin C, which we've spoken about a, bit, a little bit, um, is extremely heat sensitive. So if it's exposed to almost any heat, it'll, the vitamin C content will be damaged. So by freeze drying, you're maintaining nutritional um, properties and also maintaining the flavor and the color. If you think of a freeze-dried strawberry or a freeze-dried ribery, it's still got that really vibrant red colour. Where if you think of a dried apricot, the beautiful orange apricot colour is somewhat dull. In terms of potential to grow your supplier base, you talked prior to this about the European families that are still growing Kwandongs, for example. What about 
in communities? Have you spoken to Indige communities about making this an abs a regular supply for you or are you drawing from a mix of people around Australia and what's the potential to expand this growth market, the, the growing of the ingredients? So we identified very early on that if this market is to grow, supply will soon dry up. You know, this isn't a well-established market. This isn't like, you know, oranges coming out of Valencia that they have been doing so for generations. So we have recently started the Native Harvest Initiative, which is an initiative to increase the supply um, to the market of native produce. So we work with Indigenous communities to wild harvest more produce. We work closely with these communities to discuss any challenges that they're facing so that, that we can try and overcome those challenges. Um, we work with farmers, Indigenous and non-Indigenous farmers, to diversify their crops or to repurpose their farms from non-native produce to native produce. And one really fantastic example of this is an Indigenous farmer in South Australia who was harvesting spring onions for the majors. And he was going to hand over his farm to his grandson, which he now has done. And his grandson wasn't interested in harvesting spring onions and he's flipped the entire crop to native produce. And when you hear stories like that, it makes you think, you know, think of this individual as somebody that perhaps has or hasn't experienced the racism that, that maybe his grandfather experienced, but that he has the pride and the passion to incorporate his Indigenous culture into his, into his life, to make it his everything, is really exciting. Is it going to be this generation, that, that uh, his generation that takes it forward, takes the production of indigenous foods to a commercial a more commercial level do you think i think so and i think that what is fabulous about that example is that he has the wisdom from his grandfather of how to farm crops you know he farmed for the majors he can make sure that they're fresh care certified that they have that they have the technology that they require he understands the demands that come out the demands and the requirements that come from the majors to supply them and he's not the only example. There have been a number of farmers that since starting up this initiative that, has, that have reached out and said that we're, we're harvesting crops. We, want to, we have the ability to expand this so that we have, you know, land might be due to um, native title or they might just have, you know, be sitting on land, but they want to do something with it. They want to start harvesting native produce. And if they know that there's a market out there, that there's demand out there, it gives them the confidence to, to put time and money into it. When... When you think about uh, the growing of these naturally occurring foods in Australia, you sort of think about them as being sparsely uh, spread out like a lot of the foliage or the trees of, of, um, of Gondwana land, but mm. can they be cultivated in, in, our, in traditional European farming methods? They can, and they're being. there are communities that are experimenting with traditional farming techniques. Um, they recognise that if they want the market to grow the way that they, that they see that it has a potential to, they need to have the guaranteed supply. And, guaranteed, and while wild harvesting is fantastic, the nutritional pro properties of produce seems to be higher in wild harvested pro produce. Um, they recognise that there are many risk factors with wild harvested produce. You know, cycle, natural disasters that come through, they're not as protected as in when, when produce is, um, is traditionally farmed and that they can put in pre um, protective techniques. And many of those techniques are actually traditional techniques. So, you know, when we had the bushfires in Australia um, at the beginning of the year, what we saw was a, a number of Indigenous people come out and say, 
this is how you're meant to be protecting the land. This is what we did, what we did, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago um, to protect the land because we recognise that fire is an, is an issue and a concern in Australia and we can protect the land from bushfires that go out of control like we recently saw. So hopefully more traditional practices will be introduced into traditional farming practices. It gets very confusing keeping up with the traditional, <laughs> the word traditional in this conversation. It is. Could you see a point then where state or federal governments could encourage the investment and the growth of Indigenous uh, food crops? Absolutely. And I think that as the times are changing, we think something needs to happen. You know, we're looking at the moment with um, the vineyards and the and, um, the issues with China with wine. We're looking at droughts and um, and cattle. There are many challenges environmentally that make farming the way that we used to just decades ago more challenging. And if if and that's why when we're speaking, well, we're we're small and we're speaking to farmers and they're interested in diversifying. But if a government body came on, on board and said that we're willing to help out, that we want to help these farmers and implement grants to help these farmers to diversify or repurpose their properties there's no reason why they wouldn't want to be growing native produce considering it grows, it's grown in Australia for thousands and thousands of years. It's adapted naturally um, to the conditions of Australia. It needs less pesticides, less water, less fungicides if grown in the appropriate region. In terms of growth of your industry, in terms of growth of Indigenous food consumption and use by chefs and the food industry worldwide, is COVID-19 going to put the brakes on that? We haven't, well, look, we've seen the breaks be put on definitely in certain areas, food service, especially in the first, um, the first isolation period where the whole country was in lockdown. We, the food service industry completely dried up. We, I remember when we got our first, or we got an order from a food service distributor that we've been working with for years. And then the next day he canceled the order and it was really devastating. It was scary. It was just a, it was a sign to us of how quickly this has impacted food service. You know, doors, are, doors were shut immediately. But there were other industries that started to boom. So supplements, um, people were looking at what quick ways to boost their immunity, to boost their health. And that was done through nutritional supplements. So all of a sudden we had a number of supplement companies contacting us doing new product development that wanted, and they wanted to get products out really quickly. Um, so that, you know, incorporating Australian natives in that sense was really exciting. Uh, we get, we're seeing huge demand coming out of Southeast Asia um, for nutritionally dense produce. We're seeing out of America as well. So the demand is definitely there and with the right industries behind it and with the right companies pushing Australian native produce, demand will continue to increase and it gives, can give Australians, and especially Australian farmers and communities, real confidence to grow more produce. What are your plans then for the Australian superfood company over the next 12 months and then the next five years? We are putting a real focus on the Native Harvest Initiative, so helping the, um, the farming stream and the, and the Indigenous communities to harvest more produce. We're looking at new native ingredients to incorporate into our range. So there are over 5,500 edible native Australian ingredients out there, and we're currently using about 20. So looking at new ingredients, analysing them for the nutritional properties, looking at them from a flavour perspective, how can they be incorporated into industry? and then continuing to build our FMCG line. Could you explain a little more about the Native Harvest Initiative? How's it going to work? Where, which states are involved and the territories? What are you doing there? 
the native the goal of the native harvest initiative is to increase supply of australian native produce so we've partnered with agronomists and propagators to and other experts that understand the australian landscape we are a branding and marketing company that has a real um, social impact focus where we, we don't have the knowledge we don't have the agricultural skills to navigate this space and we want to be able to offer farmers we will not be able to offer communities with the, the to be able to offer them the people and the skill sets they require to to either diversify or repurpose their their um, farms or their crops or to expand their production which is the case with many indigenous communities we're, the way that we're doing this is currently it's been a, a soft launch <laughs> we haven't it's going to we're about to relaunch our website and that will be part of the website but um, we have um, we have so far had people come to us we've so far had we've through discussions like this one through podcasts we've, we've put the story out there and we've had farmers come to us that say you know hey we currently grow blueberries we're struggling a bit for a b and c and we're looking for different things to grow we'll start talking them to them about the demand for ribaries that ribaries grow in similar environments to blueberries um that they would work really well growing growing side by side so if they have a small amount of land it could be you know as small as 10 acres to as large as um, as, as large as they'd like um, to reap to diversify their crops so they'll continue to grow the blueberries because ribaries will take three or four years to get fruit on the trees um, but it will give their it'll put the wheels in motion and we'll set up meetings with our agronomists and they'll go in and test the test the soil they'll um, look at the the setup of the farm and make sure that there's enough sunlight enough water and then they'll they'll give them advice on on what to grow this might also include us supplying them with the cultivars so that they can, you know, start with the growing process immediately. Um, or it might be that the farmer has a lot of experience himself and they just want to make sure that there's going to be a customer at the end. They want to make sure that if they go to all this effort, they spend the years growing rivalry, that there'll be someone at the end that will purchase that crop and we can offer them, them that service as well. When you, you've been around in the Indigenous food industry in Australia for a while now, does it remind you or do you do you have a goal to make it as successful as another indigenous food industry in other countries for instance new zealand absolutely and i think that when we think of superfoods they tend to be ancient superfoods so foods that sustained an indigenous group for thousands and thousands of years um, when we look at New Zealand, or if we look at, I think that a number of these foods are coming out of um, out of Brazil. So acai berry or camu camu out of China. Um, sorry, camu camu is out of South America as well. Um, but when we look at these and we look at how these products have been embraced, um, we can definitely take messages from that. I think that in Australia, there's a lot of work that needs to be done from a cultural and a culturally sensitive standpoint. You know, our indigenous people weren't treated the same way that other indigenous groups were treated when when um, Europeans settled in their countries so when we take that into consideration we take the cultural and the historical and the the intellectual property standpoint into perspective as well these are all things that need to be considered they need to be discussions and they need to be discussions with multiple groups because different indigenous groups have different beliefs as well and the cultural sensitivity really needs to be practiced um, and people need to be aware that the stories that they're telling if they're going to start telling you know dream time stories need to be you need to have permission to tell those stories because in many cases you don't and the indigenous culture was passed down orally and if we if we're going to just start taking these stories and claiming them as our own 
we'll have some real issues with our history, which we need to already start rectifying. Yeah, there are certain sensitivities there, especially if you had any unscrupulous operators that wanted to come in and make a quick, a quick dollar out of. Absolutely, absolutely, and and soon hope. Look, um, there are indigenous groups and the government are looking at trying to build some sort of protection around that, but indigenous how the indigenous people lived and now and, and trying to transfer that into our common day law it's very difficult mm, absolutely needs to happen okay well congratulations on your success and i hope it, it, it keeps going thank you so much and people can find out more about us if they'd like at ospsuperfoods.com.au or on our social platforms with the handle at ospsuperfoods that was hayley blyden founder of the australian superfood company speaking with Judy Kennedy. Thanks for listening today. My name is Steve Honor, and I look forward to talking to you next time. If you're interested in finding out more about ag tech and food innovations that are changing the future of Australian farming, make sure you listen to my weekly podcast on Evoke Ag. Until next time, have a great day.